Welcome to Periop Talk, the perioperative-specific podcast where we discuss how to make surgery safer one podcast at a time. From Q&As with AORN guideline authors to interviews with OR nurses just like you, our goal is to always share practical information for you to take back to your OR. I'm Renee Battier, Vice President of Nursing at AORN, and I thank you for joining us today. Today we are speaking with Dr. Mary Alice Anderson, a perioperative practice specialist at AORN. Mary Alice has authored the updated Guideline for Complementary Care, which will be published in the new 2022 Guidelines for a Perioperative Practice out in January. Welcome, Mary Alice. I'm really excited to talk about this with you. I am too, Renee. Thank you for joining me today. You opened the updated guideline writing, Optimal perioperative nursing practice promotes patient well-being and implementing patient-centered complementary care interventions can improve the perioperative patient experience for them, their families, and their healthcare workers, as well as reduce healthcare costs. Intriguing. So tell us first a little bit more about complementary care. I don't think it's about giving compliments. <laughs> well, you are certainly right about that, although compliments can boost positive attitude, which well, is awesome. there you go. So interestingly enough, complementary care is defined by the NIH um, as any natural product and mind and body practices that complement or adjuncts conventional alternative medicine practice. So the reason this is you know, so imperative is that it's not a treatment. Anything that we're doing here in this guideline is to help and benefit the patient's experience of the perioperative setting. It's actually really cool because this is a new kind of wave of information. And so when the first guideline was written back in 2016, there wasn't a lot of information. There wasn't a lot of studies. So now we have a wide breadth of knowledge. It was really cool to get into what can help the perioperative experience, especially with pain and anxiety. Everybody can benefit from these interventions, but not everybody will benefit from every intervention. It's a very interesting, to say the least, guideline where pretty much everything is conditionally recommended because there are so many, there's so much variety in not only the outcomes that were studied, but mm -hmm. also the interventions. So I can tell you music is great, but I can't really tell you the best way to do it because it's subjective for each patient. It's personal, exactly. And I would imagine there's a lot of things that aren't really new that we've done, but to gather them all together into one document helps us for perioperative patients in that setting and what might be both beneficial for them. So do you think it's being more accepted as part of either actual care plans or at least adjunctive things that we can do to help the patient? Do you see that growing? I do. And I, I think it's really interesting what you were talking about because I don't think there would be so many studies if it wasn't so accepted hmm. now. And you think about even, you know, earlier before people would, you know, joke about acupressure, acupuncture points, all mm -hmm. of that stuff. But now it's widely studied and it's very, very helpful. I saw a study where they were doing acupuncture all the way through the interoperative phase. And I wow. was kind of like, mm, I don't know about that one, but <laughs> it worked. You know, what's very interesting, you said something else that we, we do it intuitively, I think, mm. as nurses. I think it's really awesome that the science is coming out now to back up all of the things that I think nursing practice has been forever, right? Mm -hmm. We've always been helping people, praying with them, massaging their mm -hmm. hand, being mm -hmm. physically there for them. Being present. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so I think it's really cool to have the science to back that up now. I, I was really excited about 
how much literature there was. I was just not really prepared for the variety of all of the things. That's actually really encouraging. What areas do you think are growing the most? What do you see? What was interesting for me is that there are things that maybe everybody could do, right? Hmm. I'm not saying that everybody's going to be an amazing licensed hand masseuse, but everybody can hold a hand. Right. Everybody can tell you and rub a hand. Yeah. yeah. Rub a shoulder, <laughs> rub it back. I mean, I don't have to be like a Reiki licensed personnel to do that. But the things that are really, you know, interesting is acupuncture and things like that, that would potentially take extra training, if not a licensed personnel, at least training the nurses for that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a little bit more acceptance of that. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with cost and how much time you have in each of the perioperative settings. But things as simple as aromatherapy, they're coming out with amazing devices. So, you know, it's single use. You don't have to worry about Mm. cleaning devices in between. Or tuned to our setting, really. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like for me, you know, some aromas are not that pleasant, but there are ones that are more studied in the literature. So you want to look at all of those different pieces of information where you're like, okay, is this going to be beneficial for this patient? Is this going to like transfer to the next patient in the PACU bed? Mm -hmm. Is this smell going to be overwhelming? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's, I I think music maybe is getting a little bit more fine-tuned which type of musical genre is the best. But again, there's so much variety that I can't really tell you which one's the best except for maybe lighter music than opposed to potentially, you know, heavy rock metal. Sure. But some patients do and don't want to have their preference in music. I feel like the things that are getting more focus right now are things that nurses can do, Hmm. but there's still a lot that, you know, potentially an an outside expert could come in and serve. Sure. And then there are a couple of things that we didn't look at, you know, like animal therapy and other things that could be really beneficial, but it's just not exactly practical for most people. And, you know, the OR environment is supposed to be sterile. So things like um, support groups and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. preoperative smoking and alcohol cessation, we do talk about a little bit that they're beneficial, but not necessarily in a way where we're going to implement it. We're just going to tell our patients about sure. it. Sure. It's like having a buffet of options and, and giving yourself more of a buffet. Let's talk a little bit about the perioperative sort of continuum. Certainly pre-op, it seems like helping bring this into the patient's experience, that would be an important part of talking to the patient preoperatively. More than before the day of surgery, what kind of things do you normally use or have you used that might help you with some? So can you talk a little bit about not just day of surgery items that the perioperative nurse can can bring as options, but the kind of things that perioperative nurse could and should ask about with a patient for preparing for the day of surgery. Yeah, for sure, Renee. That's a really good point. I call it like early preoperative phase where mm-hmm. you're scheduled for surgery, but you do have Absolutely. maybe a couple of weeks or a mm-hmm. month before you have surgery. First of all, for any complementary care intervention, what what do they have experience with? Exactly. Because there are some things that maybe a patient is not even interested in. So you're going to waste your breath trying to explain to them how amazing aromatherapy is. Exactly. It's a different kind of assessment, I would think. Yeah. And it's a oh, very good point because it's very, you know, evaluative also, because if they've mm-hmm. done some things in the past, I, I liken it to, you know, one day I really wanted music. This actually happened um, right around the time when I was dealing with some chronic um, pain with a car accident. And so I was going through an actual 
hip MRI situation. And they were like, hey, do you want some music? And I was like, yeah, whatever, put it on. Um, and so they put on Taylor Swift, which I'm down for. I'm so excited because it was her new album. And I found myself being unable to sit still because I was singing along. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> not in the right way. No, not in the right way. So like in that case, now I know if I need to be able to sit still, I need to pick some other kind of music genre or I need hmm. to not have music or I need to meditate Great during point. that time. Or Great example, actually. Yeah, yeah. Be mindful. Like, so I think that preoperative space is really imperative. And mm -hmm. I think especially for, you know, not necessarily bigger procedures, but certainly with more anxious patients, mm -hmm. uh, patients that already know that they're going to have some issue or they're going to be, you know, stressed out. Maybe it's a bigger situation, cancer, like things like that, where we can talk to the patient and say, okay, what are you doing right now to help your pain? What are you doing right now to help your anxiety? What are you doing right now to get you through chemo? And then mm -hmm. use those to say, okay, are they working? Can we make it better? Can we do something a little bit different? Can we change the music type for the surgery? Right. There are so many different instances where acupressure is going to be really awesome for your headaches, mm -hmm. but it's not going to do anything for your perioperative anxiety. So asking those questions, figuring out what they're willing to do, right? Because all of this is, you know, voluntary. This is all complementary to prescribed plan of care, right. perioperative the plan of care. The must-haves, yeah. Yeah, so like I can't tell you that you must have aromatherapy, but I can tell you that it's helpful for these many people, for these many things. Like lavender, it's potentially going to help you reduce your post-op notch of vomiting. And when you when you have a reduction in that, your recovery goes so much better. Maybe you're in less pain because you're not like whole body moving. Um, so it's very it's very interesting because we can do so much, but I think the more education everybody has, the patients, the families, the nurses, everybody. Right, right. Makes the, me think of kind of the office nurse and helping educate them. Here's the kind of questions to be asking about, inquiring about that will help us guide this patient through their experience. You mentioned a little bit about post-op nausea. So let's shift a little bit to post-op. And that probably is more about the kind of things to have available. But again, some of them are ones to be asking for the patient, what kind of things do help you? You mentioned nausea. So talk a little bit more about some of those post-op. Yeah, and I think honestly, pretty much everything goes into the post-operative setting. What I, what I found so interesting, actually, in a lot of these studies, especially music, um, hypnosis, acupressure, acupoint therapy, was that whatever you did preoperatively bled into the post-operative setting. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if you had some kind of acupressure point um, preoperatively, then they also looked at postoperative nausea vomiting and it was reduced. And there are certain points that are a little bit better, like the P6, but you know, in adults and children. But what happened was you never know when postoperative nausea vomiting is going to hit, right? True. Like we can, we can True. have higher risk patients and we can be more concerned about them and we can tell them that this is going to help them and have all like have a buffet line style of, you know, what option would you like right here? But I mean, personally, in the post-operative phase of care, I'm not really picking and choosing. I'm not really in the space where I can say, like, that's definitely going to help. And so it's, it's again, evaluating and assessing the patient at every kind of instance that you have mm -hmm, with them, mm -hmm. whether or not it is actually reducing their pain or anything. So you can give them some lavender, and in the very beginning, it is just not going right with them. 
right? And you can tell as a nurse, you can have that intuitive, like, that's not a good face that you just made. I'm going to switch this. <laughs> um, and so you take it away. Mm-hmm, but then, mm-hmm. you know, after a little bit more anesthesia wears off, they're, they're able to take that smell. But what I really found was interesting. There were a lot of studies where they studied preoperative interventions, and then they looked at postoperative outcomes. And mm-hmm. I never really took that correlation. I never really thought about that. But if you can help the patient preoperatively with their postoperative outcomes, then you don't have to worry about whether or not they're doing okay or evaluating really is this helping when they can't even tell you what their pain level is. They're just so groggy from anesthesia. Right, right. You've already started to help by having that conversation ahead of time. Exactly. You know, you mentioned anesthesia comes to mind for me as we work in a team. So talk a little bit about the some of these complementary therapy interventions that should be shared with the surgeon with anesthesia as part of like, here's what we're doing today, or here's what the patient prefers. Are there certain ones of them that, that need to be called out? Or mostly it's just as we work with a patient? Yeah, Renee, and I think that that, that interdisciplinary team care is so important, especially with complementary care, because if everyone's not on board, it could be a little hairy when you get in there and you're Mm -hmm. like, hey, the patient wanted this type of music. And everyone's like, no, (laughs) like we are not doing that. Or, you know, hey, we we gave them some fish oil or something like that. When you're talking about supplements that they were taken beforehand or supplements that were assigned to them, everybody needs to know. Everybody needs to be on board and know this plan of care. Yep. So what what comes to mind is actually music because it's overall universally good, but there are so many different ways that you can deliver music as well. So there were a couple of conclusions in a few studies where the anesthesia provider was using headphones but couldn't talk to the awake patient, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Because the music was it's so loud. Impact, right? And then in in my head, you know, they're laying down and you get like a little pressure sore because the headphones are like Great pushing point. into you. You have no Great idea. Point what's going on. But on the conversely, if you have speakers on overhead, everybody's going to be hearing the music, number one, and not everybody agrees on certain music. (laughs) We know that for sure. (laughs) For sure, for sure. And then you have the volume issue again. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. is it going to get Mm -hmm. in the way of anesthesia or anyone talking to the patient and asking the patient to be able to do certain things during an awake procedure? But then interdisciplinary team communication can be reduced because of the music. And so you all know those surgeons who are like, I want really loud music. And then something happens and they're like, turn the music down. Like that is the worst feeling in the world. So why don't we keep the noise at like a level Mm -hmm. that's, that's appropriate? Because we have guidelines for that, right? We have physician statements about noise distraction and stuff like that. So we really want to, I I think honestly, I can't say that there's one more than the other. I would say all of the complementary care interventions need to be at least discussed. Like, hey, I'm going to bring up music with the patient or I'm going to bring up um, acupressure. And there were some interventions of acupoint where it was, they, they were looking at the time difference. And so really five to 15 minutes isn't really that much of a difference, which mm-hmm. is which is interesting, but if you, if you have like somebody coming in saying, hey, I wanna give you acupressure, and oh, by the way, we're rolling back for surgery in three minutes, a surgeon's not gonna be necessarily happy about that choice of intervention. Especially as a surprise. No surprises are good at that point, right? No surprises in the OR, first of all, please, uh, yeah. no. <laughs> but definitely for anything else, like we wanna make sure that everybody's on board and everybody is aware of like time constraints or you know the delivery process or 
really if it could affect anything else. So, I mean, I brought up supplements and I think that that was more like a preoperative concern mm-hmm. that we mm-hmm. need to talk about because there are a few that herbal supplements that patients may be taking right. that right. they don't know, right? That they don't, first of all, they don't know they're affecting their medications preoperatively, no. but they also don't know that it could increase their risk for bleeding and other things in surgery. So having that conversation before, having them stop the medication, but then also looking at does anesthesia know that this is in their history, that this is a potential right. that it's we really need to ask about. That broader look of the patient again as part of the care. I think the biggest thing about complementary care is that it has to be within organizational policy, right. following right. everything, right? But then individually, each team needs to know kind of what they're willing to do, what they're what they're capable of doing. You know, for a, a stat trauma emergency case, acupuncture is out of the question. Got to prioritize. <laughs> Got to prioritize. You've done a great job of bringing in the loads of new research and loads of new information that's out there. What if you had one or two short message for why a nurse should dive into this, even if they're unfamiliar with it, what would you say? Um, And this kind of, you know, hits home like personal things. Um, There was a study that looked at patient concerns before and after surgery. Mm -hmm. And what's very interesting is that most patients were very concerned about pain preoperatively. Fair. Postoperatively, thirst discomfort was their number one issue. And so personally, my mother went through surgery and coming out of the recovery area, all she wanted was ice. Mm. All she wanted, I mean, she didn't even care about anything. She was crawling out of the bed. But um, what was really funny is that they found the most effective intervention was actually just cold water for thirst discomfort. And this was a systematic review. They were looking at ice chips, methyl, chewing gum, acupressure, all of it. (laughs) And it was just cold water. So for nurses, I think that we all want to do our best for our patients. We all want to provide them the best experience, the best healing environment. So why not look at all the different things, especially when it's as simple as cold water? Good one. Great example. Well, thank you, Mary Alice. This was fun to learn from you as you dove into this very large area and really pull some key threads out for us in our care of perioperative patients in ways that we can really support them. The new guidelines for perioperative practice will be out in January with six new or revised guidelines and clinical recommendations, including the guideline for complementary care. Don't miss it. You can pre-order your print book or the all new fully digital version of the book at a great price at AORN.org. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll share this podcast with your colleagues, and we hope that you'll join us next time for Periop Talk 103.3.